Well, hello, ladies and gents. Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Colin Kingsmore on the line. Colin is based out of Canada. He has been a musician uh, for 15, 20 years, and the pandemic has, without a doubt, totally turned his musical career upside down. And he's he's been keto for quite some time, Keto Carnivore. We dove into that. We talked about his training. Uh, we talk about how everything is going for him right now in light of the pandemic. I feel like that this is one of those mindset podcasts. We, we dove deep into how the pandemic has helped him uh, pivot, adapt, and figure out who he is and what he stands for and why he's doing what he's doing in life and, and finding a new zeal for other things in life that interest him. Um, so I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I have no doubt you will as well. I have to apologize right off the bat, though, because right there at the end of the podcast, our audio just totally cut out. I don't know what was going on, but uh, the internet dropped. I guess it's one of the beauties of remote podcast recording. So my apologies there. Um, definitely listen to the episode, get something out of it. I feel like this is a very applicable episode to many people because I feel like we've all been affected somewhere or another with a result of the virus. So hope you enjoy, sit back, relax, and tune in. And Colin, we're live. How are you, brother? Good, man. How you doing, Robert? I am doing wonderfully well, man. So you emailed um, a couple weeks back and just kind of shared some of the your background. Uh, kind of, we have come from similar similar backgrounds, it seems. Um, so I kind of love to just dive into your backstory. What got you into keto? You've been keto carnivore now for two plus years. Uh, you and your wife both. I'd love to kind of just get some backstory, man, and talk about uh, what brought you to the space that you're in currently. Yeah, sure, man. Um, yeah, so my wife and I. We were kind of on the typical bodybuilding kind of diet. Um, I guess it's been probably three years now that we've been keto carnivore vibe, mm-hmm. mainly carnivore. But um, yeah, so we kind of were slowly realizing like that, you know, all the carbs and like more so the processed kind of foods were not really like sitting well. And my joints were starting to kind of feel, you know, they were just starting to kind of fall apart on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had some old hockey injuries. Things were starting to creep up. And I like to do some heavy power lifting, um, the compound movements, right? So um, eventually I was like, man, like something's just not feeling right. And then I was hearing about this, you know, the low carb, high fat kind of, you know, diet, right? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to give this a shot. So I just kind of slowly tapered down the carbs and up the fats. And naturally, it just started to feel better. My joints started to kind of heal up a bit. Um, and then, you know, after, I guess, I did, I did that for probably a couple months. And then slowly, the fats came up. And I noticed a huge difference, um, even the mental clarity and things like that. Um, and uh, and then I started kind of hearing about, oh, like, you know, there's just more so carnivore kind of thing right three years ago and i was like oh this sounds kind of nuts but you know what am i gonna do i'll just try it so i just figured i just take a month and just try because i kind of needed to cut everything out because mm-hmm. i heard like, if you cut everything out slowly reintroduce some things back in to find out what's causing some issues like because i used to have some gas like nasty you know um and uh and i always thought like oh is it the red meat or what you know like that's what I was always told, you know, it must be the red meat, you mm-hmm. know. But so anyway, after a month, I couldn't believe 
like how much bloat I just lost, you know, within the first month. And um, just basically eating red meat. And uh, for me, it just seemed to like oh, fix so many issues. And so I was like, okay. Um, I just started slowly adding some other things back in, like spinach. And I realized that wasn't great for me. Um, like kale also wasn't a good thing. Um, so I kind of just... I was like, man, like what, what works? So I would, I would try, I tried some pickles, tomatoes. They seem to be okay. Um, but I guess it's so unique. Everyone has different, you know, uh, sensitivities to, to these plants. Right. So, and I think that's what I kind of learned from this experience. And, um, and I just found that overall I seem to function a lot, you know, better on mainly animal products. You know, as opposed to trying to, you know, have those shakes with all the, the kale and the spinach, which probably, you know, I overdid it for a lot of years, I think, thinking um, putting all that kale and spinach in there, especially when my stomach wasn't really handling it too well, you know. Was it like the the raw vegetables just totally raw, having that totally, just blended up? Yeah, totally. Um and then, then I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll try cooking them. So we did. We, we steamed them for a while. But for some reason, my stomach, it just, like, wasn't really handling it so well, even cooking them and steaming them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just got down to a point where, like, man, I just feel so much better when I don't put those in, you know? Um, so then I just kind of was like, okay, let's just, just keep going. And, it, like, now it's been about three years, um, almost three years since that and it just seems to get better over time to be honest like my sleep is like you know just improved like a massive amount and just the amount of sleep that mm-hmm. i actually need like it used to be eight hours of sleep about uh two years ago is what i functioned on i needed two or you know eight hours right now it seems like six is like i guess maybe it's because i get into the deep REM you know, mode. And then, you know, um, you just get the quality. It's not the quantity of, of sleep, right? Yeah, totally, sleep. totally agree. I think, you know, when I was eating carbs, man, I would, I'd, I'd have eight hours of sleep and I'd, I'd wake up feeling groggy. Uh, and I just don't feel that way at all now. And I'll have significantly less sleep than that. But I feel like the, the quality of the sleep is, is better. And even if, even if the quality isn't better, I feel like I just function better with less sleep without the carbs. Totally, man. I agree with you. Like, there was a bit of uh, the transition part at the beginning. Like, the first, like, three months, it was almost like this a massive amount of energy. It was almost insomnia for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is... But I felt really good. And that was the crazy part. But I literally, like, I may have slept a couple times, like, two hours. But then I would just wake up. And then, you know... Um, cause I, you know, before this whole COVID thing, I was a musician, right? Like a full-time musician. Um, and so my hours have always been kind of all over the map, you know, where usually I would like to get up kind of early. It used to be like probably eight or 9am and that's when my day would start. Um, but then, you know, slowly over time, it just, you know, it evolved, especially since this COVID thing, all gigs are pretty much gone and now so um my basic sleep patterns have kind of adjusted now i go to bed much earlier 
but I wake up at like three thirty, four, you know, and I seem to function way better on that the timing of the sleep. So if I'm asleep by ten p.m. or something, and then I get up at like four, that's like the zone. But if I stay up till like two, I find I it's not as good. The quality doesn't seem to be as good, but, um, but the overall amount is, it's, yeah, it's crazy how much less I seem to need, you know, to function with like a clear, clear mind, you know? Totally agree. I mean, I had a podcast a couple of days ago, um, talking about keto insomnia and I, I never heard that phrase before. You know, I, I just, I never heard it before. Um, but I, yeah. and since then I've talked to several people and that's kind of basically what they've described it as. Um, and it, it, I feel like, you know, it's been a long time since I started keto, but I feel like, you know, if I reach back my memory banks, there was like this period, um, in which, you know, I just could not be slowed down. Um, and I liked that, you know, like, I feel like that was probably that insomnia, but I just didn't have any sleep. <laughs> I was just kicking butt. Uh, so I liked it. So I didn't, I didn't yeah, do it as a negative thing at all. Yeah, catches up, eh? Yeah, yeah, it catches up. And I think, you know, after, after you've become more deeply adapted, your, your body's ability to just stabilize and, and, and come to a physiological, uh, sustainable state is, is just, you know, there. It's apparent. It's your foundation, um, which is probably a much healthier approach, which is good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I never viewed that, that initial transition phase of the keto insomnia per se as a, as a bad thing, but I guess it makes sense that you would need more than one hour of sleep, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally, man. I, I agree. Cause the body, it's amazing how it just gets so efficient at using the ketones, right? And that's the that's the fascinating part. At the beginning, it's kind of like it doesn't really know how to manage everything so efficiently. So it just kind of like I remember it would be like great for a month. I'd be like barely sleeping, and then I would have one day where I would just boom, just be crushed. Mm-hmm. And then finally, now it's like they don't happen after you know. But it took three years to kind of get to that point where like it's consistent and there's no. There's no naps, you know, like there's no, um, you know, unless like I would have, I, I could even handle one day without sleeping because when I was touring right before this, this uh, COVID thing, like I remember one gig I had, I had to travel the next day and there was just no time. So right after the gig, I went right to the airport and it was like a long flight, um, just like three or four flights to get where I needed. And I went right to sound check. Um, and played the gig and then went, but I just, you know, up all night and I ate a lot of, a lot more, I, you know, mm-hmm. I guess because just the body's like, what am I going to do? I just need to fuel. So, but I was actually able to do it and I played the gig and it was fine. You know, I wouldn't recommend doing that too many times, but I could handle it once, you know, once in a while, just one night without. But I think before though, there's no way I would have crashed. Yeah, you know? totally. Like, way harder talk to me about the music man like what what got you into that what do you do with it um what what's your i just kind of dive in a little bit i'm curious yeah so i mean i basically have always been into music my dad um was a drummer my whole life so there's pictures of me when i'm two years old like playing the drums like you know at my dad's band practice and even at some some of his shows like there's a clip of me somewhere of playing with his band i think i was like four mm-hmm. and just kind of like tapping on i could play like a little beat when i was young you know but a lot of kids can kind of do that but people think it's like this uh amazing thing but a lot of kids when they have decent rhythm they can kind of you know 
hit a two four beat and you know it's it's kind of fun to watch but anyway so i kind of just stuck with it along and it was kind of that and playing sports like hockey mm-hmm. um so i always played you know rep hockey triple a um all the way from the age of four because canadian that's what you do we played hockey and i played all the way up till the age of 19 i played a little bit of junior um and then I was at the point where music and hockey were kind of colliding. Mm. I was playing in a bunch of bands. I went to a, a music arts high school, which was great. Um, teachers are fantastic. And uh, I met a lot of other great musicians there and started a couple bands. And uh, during that time, one of the rock bands, like we won this contest uh, to go to L.A. and play at universal studios and we got to open for uh green day and you know it was like a big deal like for like you know an 18 year old yeah you know? man that's awesome uh, yeah it was fun we we had a good time met tommy lee i have a picture of him like you know licking my face <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty funny to look back on that now you know but then so i just kind of stuck with it and and uh after that we kind of came back we played some other shows around Toronto um like the Sky Dome was one of the it was a van tour mm-hmm. um, which was a big gig um opening for some of the other kind of large Toronto acts and then uh then we kind of all departed and went our different ways and I went to University of Toronto I studied jazz performance there and um it was a four-year program um and that's kind of where I met a lot of the serious musicians in Toronto and kind of networked and, you know, built up a career for about 15 years. And, you know, soon enough I was playing, performing with, you know, a lot of my actual professors and things like this. So it's, it was actually kind of cool to, you know, you start out, you're just like this young kid, you know, rock drummer, you know, trying to play jazz and, I get into this school where like they only accept two drummers a year and somehow I got in. I didn't even expect to get in, but mm-hmm. they're like, okay, yeah, you're in, man. I'm like, what? Okay. Um, it was a lot of work, but um, after getting in, just networking, meeting all those other amazing musicians, um, I think that's what kind of kind of pushed me off into the, the music industry like in the perfect way, right, to get things started and then you know, it took about 15 years, though, to get established in order to, you know, to do this full time. And I always kind of, you know, did private lessons on the side as well. Um, but uh, anyway, so I kind of juggled them both. And then I was touring quite a bit for the most part um, with a couple bands. I mean, I've, I've worked with some of the artists, uh, Nelly Furtado, mm-hmm. you heard of her, um, a guy, Tyler Shaw was uh the recent dude that i was touring with um and then uh and that's it and then covid just boom i was in a i was at a gig in vegas and i remember getting these emails coming in and uh it was all the tours i had like were all getting canceled and this was march 13th and i was just like yep okay this is going to be serious because like everything for the next three months is like been canceled. I'm like, wow, okay, so I guess this is uh, a thing, you know? And then that's 
when everything changed. <laughs> yeah, man, I gotta, I gotta imagine as a musician, you know, like that is that is your livelihood. Like that's what everything's built on. That's what yeah. you've. That's what your whole entire career path is. Um, and for all of this to happen to you, you know, without any warning, like what do you, what do you do? I mean, what have you done since um, that all happened? I mean, are you still recording, oh. or I mean, what, what can you do? Yeah, so I'm doing a bit of recording. It's it's tough. Like there isn't too much work. So I've done some stuff just more just for fun. I've done you know, but there there just isn't much to do musically at this time. Um there's nowhere to play. Uh, the traveling thing is just a disaster. Um there were some bands doing some like drive-in shows at the drive-in so you pull up, mm-hmm. listen to the band and you know, one of the bands that I do play in uh has has done a couple of virtual gigs it's it's a different experience um where we're kind of in a studio and uh you know everybody's kind of it's an all request band so they kind of the the crowd has a list of usually what happens at a show there's an ipad on the dance floor or usually four ipads and there's a list of about 500 songs people go up and request whatever songs they want and then we play them based on the the voting. So mm. whatever gets voted more goes up to the top of the list. People get the songs they love, and you know, and that's how it rolls. Um, on on and, that, quick question: like yeah. when when you get, I mean, we have a list of five hundred songs to choose from. I mean, yeah. you there's there's instances probably in which you have not seen that music and practiced it religiously prior to. So, I mean, you have to pretty much just be reading that music and on the spot and then playing accordingly, right? Yeah. I mean, pretty much you kind of have to just know a lot of music. Like, And I think the this is where the experience from playing in wedding bands and corporate bands, like, because a lot of wedding bands, like, you have to play all of the hits, right? From all eras, all genres. So it's kind of like, they call them like the standards of you know, of the hits, mm. you know? So it's like when they say like a top 40 band, it's got to be the top 40 of almost every genre, you know, the billboard from every era, right? So if you're going to be in a wedding band, and and I mean, that's the only way to really be able to do it is to probably play in those bands for like 15 years and like learn tunes because you don't... That's why it's it's hard to be a sub in this band like i used to feel guilty when i I hired some guys for me to go in because when i was busy playing and touring with the the more like sony artists that i play with um i'd have to get subs for all these these kind of gigs right and it was sometimes my sub my good subs that really know the tunes are not available so i have to throw some guys in there and i have to say like there was a couple it was it's pretty rough you know yeah, and man. I feel bad for the guys because it's they. I try. I give them a list, but you can't learn five hundred songs like in a month. Even you know, like it's just so much music that you kind of just need to know. Like if you've played enough gigs, like every time you play a gig, you have to probably learn at least ten songs. You know, with a different wedding band. But after a while, they start to repeat, right? So you get those little repeating songs in there, and then all of a sudden you have this laboratory of songs. But um, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. And then once you got it, you got it. And then you just add, you know, the next new top Bieber song or 
or whatever it is, you know, that's that's out because you have to know these new tunes. Yeah, you also have to know all the classics as well, right? So, um, so there's no overnight success in the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's for sure, man. Yeah, it's you hustle, hustle, you know, and uh, it was always there for me. And that the hardest part about losing that was, it was just the fact that I always knew, no matter what trouble I was going through in life, like music was always there. You know, so it was pretty tough when all of a sudden it was just kind of pulled out from underneath, you know, on my feet. Like, and I'm sure this has happened to many other people with their lives and their businesses and, you know, things like this. It's, it's a terrible thing to go through. But at the same time, like it gave me a better perspective um, of who I am, you know, not just a musician, you know, like it made me think of like, myself in the universe a lot more and instead of instead of being just on earth and being just this musician and this husband you know um where before i was i was kind of trapped i think in that mindset like thinking of the day-to-day grind of like this gig and i gotta just teach and i would just like get so busy saying yes to a lot of things and you know um I just didn't stop to kind of like think about other things, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like, it gave me that time to be like, dude, so that's gone. Music is gone for you, basically. You can play for fun in the basement, you know, but it's not the same, right? When you don't have like that crowd interaction or even playing with other musicians, it's, it's, it's not. It's, it loses that human connection, that element that uh, that's what really makes music, you know, what it is right like that that connection um yeah man it's like uh like when when all this went down you know my i was a week and a half out from my competition uh show day um and that got taken from me you know and i i I took it hard but then i made the most of it but when i compare that to you know what you're doing like like bodybuilding i mean you're, you're on stage for two minutes like the the stage time is is nothing it's minuscule compared to what bodybuilding itself is and you're spending obviously a lot of time practicing recording you know behind the scenes and it's not all it's not all stage time for you but this the stage is like that's that's the heartbeat i, I don't think stepping on stage for a bodybuilder is the heartbeat i feel like stepping on stage for y'all as a musician, is the heartbeat. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that is what makes all of it worth it. Um, and to have that stripped from you, like like that, it would be. It was easy for me to just okay, double down. You know, focus on my training, focus on my nutrition. You know, I, I can I can stay on my path. You know, my heartbeat is still there. But from from you as a music as a musician in that industry, to have all of that just stripped from you, that's that i mean i mean i'm sure there's other industries that have gone through something similar but that's got to be freaking brutal man yeah it totally it totally is man um and i think it kind of happened at an interesting time it was like this turning point too so because i used to my wife and i lived closer to downtown toronto right and we slowly i was moving out like i lived right downtown when i was at u of t in my younger years and then you know, I slowly started moving a little bit out of the city. Um, and then I was in kind of the east end, but east out. And then now, like, we moved like an hour and 15 minutes, you know. Used to be an hour drive, but now it's about an hour 15. So west of Toronto. Um, and it's like, 
it was a different, a whole different world out here because like it's everyone's so easygoing and like you just drive north five minutes and you're in the country, you know, like it's it's just beautiful. So like we kind of started getting away from the city more, and I started kind of connecting with nature a lot more, you know, um, contacting farmers and kind of getting myself, you know finding the need to like want to be a part of the the more like farming community mm-hmm. you know just somehow being integrated in that right so and because i started buying some really nice quality beef like grass-fed beef from you know a farmer that wasn't too far away and uh and i ended up just you know saying hey man if you ever need help you know moving the cows around uh you know i'll give you a hand and and it's, next thing you know, he's like, yeah, man, I, I'm going away for two weeks. Can you do it? And he just kind of dropped it on me. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And this is during COVID. So mm-hmm. kind of like right at the beginning. And I was like, yeah, all my gigs are gone, dude. I need something. Thank you. And I think he also felt guilty for me, too. So he's like, I think he had somebody else. But he's like, you know what? Here, let's you do this. You know, because I was already buying so much beef from him, too. Um, so he was like, yeah, you know, come out and look after these cows and I actually enjoyed it so much like I couldn't believe how they just know to follow you mm-hmm. from one field to the other it's just like you know they're kind of used to the patterns I guess too but anyway getting into that it, reconnecting being outside like it's just kind of almost established this new kind of person in me that where I was like man this feels good like I need to be you know I need some more space you know, and it's like now we just want to move further out and get some more land and get some animals. And I would like to have, you know, a bit more room, you know, um, also for our business. Like we're trying to do our, you know, these cocos buttercups and, you know, the kitchen. We're renting a kitchen right now and it's like it's good, but it's just sometimes it's hard with, uh, you know, scheduling things, getting in there. And we had a couple fall through and, and it's just... You know, so it could be, especially during this COVID stuff, like we had like three different kitchens kind of totally bail on us. Well, talk, talk to me about that, man. Like you, you, you mentioned the, the cocoa buttercups in the email. Um, so, yeah. I mean, having a food product business, you know, there's, there's all kinds of hurdles there. So kind of dive into that, man. Like how did that come to be? Oh yeah. So it, I mean, basically, I mean, we just wanted like a healthy kind of snack to have, right? Like, and, and in, in Canada, like it just... There isn't much available around here. Like, I mean, now there's like a lot of these keto products popping up, like, you know, everywhere in Costco. But they just like, they have so much extra, like, crap in them, like mm-hmm. all the extra ingredients and all those, like, just uh, the oils and like, it's some of them are pretty terrible. And they also, a lot of them taste pretty bad too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, so my buddy who is a pastry chef, um, he was actually one of my, older students like an adult student that i taught for years um he worked at some hotels downtown in toronto and as a pastry chef and i you know and i was just like man like you know we we should like come up with something you know like just something good you know and um and then he's like yeah like he knows a lot about chocolate you know and he was thinking like oh yeah we could do this and like we tried a bunch of things and like you know um a lot of stuff didn't work you know with the 
you know, with trying to make this version of it. Like we were trying to use like these different powders, like the the vegan powders. We were trying to stay away from the whey, but mm-hmm. we ended up just like the grass fed whey is just the way to go with you know for this chocolate kind of product because it's basically like chocolate mm-hmm. you know um it's keto chocolate you know um and it tastes pretty damn good you know most people that that have it um they they seem to agree and they seem to enjoy it so and that's just kind of how we we did it but it took a long time because i was so busy touring and so is my other buddy who's you know he's got a full-time job so like we've been chipping away at this for a couple of years, you know. Um, and we made a lot of mistakes at the beginning, you know. We, you know, it was it was one thing after another. But you know, it, we learned so much, and now it's finally, you know, we're s- slowly building it, you know. Um, and it's 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 too bad what's happening right now is kind of slowing us down with you know this COVID thing. But I think you know. I think in time, if we just keep keep pushing it, now that we have like a, a good product that we're really happy with, um, people seem to really enjoy it. Um, we think we think it's going to be good, you know, and it's something we enjoy doing too. So, and now that I have this extra time between that and training some people at the gym, like um, I took on a training position at at my local gym. Um, which is kind of cool how that panned out as well because it, everything kind of came together with the other side of my life because I was always this musician first, but it's always like a like a health nut on the other side. Like I've always exercised a lot, like five, six times a week, like just, you know, into my powerlifting stuff and then, you know, some bodybuilding kind of things as well. I've never done any shows or anything, but I've always been, you know, pretty intense with that side mm-hmm. of my life being very critical about you know what i'm doing and what i'm eating um it's like a therapy it makes the musician side of you you know function at a higher rate totally man totally (laughs) and like it just kind of coexisted for as long as it could like the music and and that whole life you know and then now it's like as soon as the music kind of faded off or just kind of disappeared more like it um the gym my gym had already been asking me to train some people there before this even happened so it was almost like hey you guys still need someone and and they're like yeah come on in so um so i've been kind of doing that and juggling that with the with the buttercups here and you know just what's the what's the gym situation in canada like are they you know super strict with the lockdowns and like people can only be you know certain distance you have to wear a mask while you're using the machines like what's the status on that yeah, so it, it kind of depends gym to gym, um, but in our town here, Cambridge, it's it, so we're called it's called the red zone that we're in right now, and that means we can only have ten people in the gym at a time at this point, mm-hmm. and this has been like this for three weeks now, um, and uh, yeah, so you need to wear a mask as a member if you're coming in. You're told to wear a mask if you come in when you sign in um, and throughout the gym, like you don't have to wear your mask when you're exercising, but you're asked to wear it when you're walking around in between machines. Gotcha. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Like we're not, 
I'm not going to tell people because, you know, some people do like their supersets and things, right? So like, which is what I like to do. I like to usually do my compounds, get them out of the way mm-hmm. and uh, put most of my energy into that. And then I usually have, you know, a few good supersets where I just kind of like get some volume in, you know? Um, so I would just make sure that I kind of have, you know, kind of rope off the areas with towels, you know, so they, you know, so they know I'm working on those machines and it, it, nobody seems to mind that way. But I mean, some gyms are a little more like they're actually forcing people to wear them the whole time. So exercising with the mask on, which, um, I couldn't imagine what that's like for me, I would probably pass out cause I push really hard. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, man. Like there's there's certain gyms here in the states where it's like they they've totally closed their door their doors. Uh, some are more lax, some are super strict. I mean, I hate to see like the small scale, you know, local gyms that are just having to close their doors completely because they're just not having enough, you know, foot traffic come. They're not they're not able to pay the bills and uh, you know make make the gym work long term and stay open for business. And that's been, I mean, akin to your you know, gigs all being shut down. Like, I hate it for the people that, you know, depend on. Like, that more than anything just, I don't know, man. It, it's it's hard to see. It is really difficult to see that. Like, those small businesses, like, even the gym that that I'm in, like, it's not, there's only two gyms in mm-hmm. Canada. Like, they're not, it's not massive, right? And But, uh, so, I I mean, they they seem to think that we're they're going to get through it, but... I don't know how they pay the 30 grand in rent a month, you know, when you have no money coming in. Like, I don't, you know, that's just the rent. That doesn't include electricity and, you know, water and like all just the wear and tear on equipment and stuff. Totally. Uh, you know, and all the staff, like, um, it's just, I mean, the gym is really dead though. Like there aren't many clients coming in and, you know, I mean, right now it's basically open just to, the trainers doing their personal training sessions, mm-hmm. you know, and the people, because 10 people at a time every hour is, that's basically the trainers and their, and their, uh, you know, their clients at this point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's sad to see all these businesses closing. Like there's a lot of great music clubs in Toronto that have shut down, like the mod club. And like, there's, there's a huge list that were just these iconic you know, clubs where bands would come from all over the world and play, and now they're just gone. And it's just, whew, it's crazy, man. But, it is. It is. Like, yeah, I just, I just hope that this gym gets through it. We'll see. But you know, it's, it's one of those things. Like we just have to hope for the best, I guess, and take one day at a time. You know, because I think on Monday we're supposed to. I think we're going into the official lockdown again. Oof. I think. So, um, which will mean the gym will be completely closed. And uh, I don't know if the, like we can do anything in there at all in terms of even the trainers trying to get in there to get a workout in, um, which will be a huge drag. But you I, know. I feel, I've, I've said this on the podcast before, but I feel like so incredibly, like beyond words, grateful yeah. and fortunate to have, you know, my own compound gym here. I mean, I've literally yeah. not skipped a beat with my training all year. Uh-huh. But I mean, like, so, I know who I am, and I know that if I didn't have that and I wasn't able to work out, like, I would literally be dangerous to be around. Dude, yeah, I know. Like, I, it's been really difficult. Like, when that first lockdown, when it happened, um, I was lucky enough to have a Cairo friend, uh, him and his wife, let 
us use their office. They have like a rehab center and they have like, you know, they have like a little gym in there with the, you know, like a squat rack and a bench and mm-hmm. some, a barbell at least, but there's not many weights though. So that, that three month period there, like I lost a good amount of strength. I was working on like doing more stamina stuff like, you know, but, um, I think this time, if this hits Monday, I got to spend a ton of dough on some plates. Like, <laughs> like it's going to hurt because the cost of plates, I don't know, out there. It's like a dollar like, a pound, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 even worse out here, dude. It's like, I can't believe it. And, like, they're all taking advantage of it, these weight companies. It's mm-hmm. just, like, and literally, you walk in there, it's like, it's empty, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is crazy. They're out of everything. It's like, okay. You want to order some more? Here's the price. Like, whoa, dude. But I get, it's going to get to a point where I'm just going to have to do that. And then, you know, it's not like there's any, you know, it is what it is. We just have to like. It's given me a, a new appreciation for resistance bands. Like the people that are able, like like Brandon, <laughs> yeah. the guy that had working here with me for a while. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he does all of his training with resistance bands and body weight. And that's what he's just done for years prior to COVID ever happening. So he never skipped a beat either. And I'm just like, wow, the people that can, like, that's their norm. And they're able to, you know, continually see progress and strength gains with it. Like way to go. Totally. They are pretty amazing. Like you, and you get creative with them too, right? So you kind of figure some stuff out. It gets a little dangerous though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you start, <laughs> start getting real tricky with it. Farming. Yeah. Like. You do some things where, like, I remember I was trying to, you know, when you put it underneath the rack, you're doing like a like an inclined bench press, and mm-hmm, yeah, I never got like a good amount of weight, and I didn't realize the rock was not that heavy, and the whole rock went up in the air when I lifted the, I did a press, and the whole mm-hmm. rack was like yeah, shaking. You got some, you got to get some bolts on that thing, man. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know, but you know, it's uh, it's my buddy's gym, and I was like, oh, I was I was gonna ask him, but. Um, anyway, you got to just adapt and find a way, you know, in this, this crazy time. And it would be nice to be able to get our own gym someday. Yeah. But, you said you know, one that, thing earlier that was really profound, man. I want to dive deeper into that. And that was, you were talking about how, you know, when you were, before COVID happened, when you were diving into the music uh, industry and, and that was your thing, you've been doing it for 15, 20 years. That was, that was your everything. You know, you were on the, uh, uh, like the, the day-to-day grind, tunnel vision, you know, just hustle, 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 which I can totally appreciate and get behind that. Like I've had to go through chapters in my life where that was just the everyday, like you just keep your head down and keep hustling. Um, and I think there's so much value in that. Uh, yeah. But there's the flip side, you know, kind of the yin and yang and that you, you get so tunnel vision that you lose sight of why you're doing this in the first place oftentimes. And I feel like this pandemic uh, has forced so many people to look up from that you know, just constant hustle and ask themselves, okay, why, what is the reason? And in you doing that kind of, you know, returning closer to just the natural state, you know, spend more time outdoors, focusing on like the livestock, the animals, like what have you learned about yourself from like a tangible standpoint and what can anybody listening, you know, take from that and also apply to their own life? Like how, how has this pandemic and just being forced to reckon with life as you know it being shifted and how do you turn that into a good thing how have you turned that into a good thing yeah that's a that's a good question um and i've been thinking about this like a lot you know because it's it's almost like when something like this happens like a huge change like this it it, it it's like it forces you to do this right mm-hmm. so it's not like 
I made the choice to be like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to be a trainer now and not do any gigs anymore. It's like when you're forced to do it, you have to deal with it now. It's not like you just kind of balance these things out. You do a bit of training, you do a bit of this or that. It's like, no, no, you, like it's gone. Then you have to deal with it. It's like, so how do you deal with it? You know, and that's the challenging part. Um, it's, I mean, and I found this book. It's called The Celestine Prophecy. Um, it what, what really does it did help. The Celestine? It, yeah, The Celestine Prophecy. Gotcha. Uh, and it's, it's, oh man, it's a really good book. It just basically, <clears throat> it, it helps you get, get a better perspective um, on everything other than like not just yourself on the planet earth it kind of that's where it just opened up for it resonated with me to kind of see myself with more of a historical view uh from looking up above at like humanity over the course of time um it just where before i was more stuck in like the day, the year I was in, that what gigs I had, how many students I was going to be teaching. Mm -hmm. um, it was like the mortgage. It was like, you know, all of those things, like the, the, the conflicts of gigs, like when gigs conflict and like it's just so much stress from like all, like juggling 10 bands at once, like it's not an easy task. Like you are going to make people mad. They know you're going on tour with this band and you're going, you know, like... It's like all of that, I was so stuck in there. And then when that's all gone, you have to just, okay, let it go, drop it. And just this book seemed to help give me that perspective to be like, that's not all you are. It's just that that career path that you chose. There's more to it. Um, you have to figure out what that is, but it should just feel natural. And then I think over the course of three months of not having music and just trying to think about this stuff and just trying to disconnect and not think about the day-to-day -day stuff, like just focus on nature and just almost like it's a, it's a different way, even going on walks, I would just like look at the trees and, and take it in, you mm -hmm. know, and the air, I would smell it and just try to enjoy like going through a trail and just enjoying the space you know of that that area that the environment i was in and slowly over time i i was able to stop thinking so much you know about all of those things that like what i used to be and you know all of the things that were they going to come back or is it going to be different it's like no man it's this is this is okay you know like this is just it's part of evolution and now i kind of see that whole picture of you know human evolution through 200,000 years like we've ended up here like sure we didn't choose this exact you know situation to be in right now but we were headed this way like we can't you know what I mean like there is like it's and it's kind of clear when we think about how everything all the systems that, that are kind of in place like eventually it was leading to some kind of big thing that it, it couldn't go on like this, you know, with just everything. Right. Um, and the, suddenly I started seeing the bigger picture of all of these things, right? Like just how sick people are in the world, you know, and, and like just how, and like, even when I look at my music career, 
like sure i played some amazing shows all over the world but i also played a lot of like kind of greasy um corporate gigs for yeah. like a lot of big companies and like i know i've kind of felt bad about it like back then and like now it's just like i couldn't do it like you know like for big there's big companies that have so much money and it's just they hire these bands and you know like they pay us great and they treat us well but i still felt something there was something wrong about it you know and i was just trying to like i was like you know what it's just you got to do it you have to make money but now it's like i feel like it's a different viewpoint now i'm like you know what i don't want to play that gig for that uh corporation i don't i don't support i don't believe in what they do and if i do that i feel like i give a bit of my soul for that you know totally um, and i think that's that's changed for me now and that seems to be more important for me now than before it was more so it was like a survival thing i like i thought i had to do it like i'm a musician if i don't do this like it was always like because if you turn down enough gigs with a band like eventually they're going to want to replace you with somebody else it's it's kind of a it's a downer but it kind of happens you know the sub ends up taking over and you know i've gained a lot of gigs doing that too it's just the way the industry kind of works so but it could make you keep doing these things over and over and if you're not thinking about it and you're not careful all of a sudden you're like wait a minute like i've done this gig this gig this gig and it's like those ones are not so cool to do you know but now i have that perspective and it's like man okay like those gigs i don't need to do anymore for sure i wouldn't feel good about them now you know i think uh perspective man like perspective is so so empowering and so many people don't take the time to to gain it and there, i mean i think it's something that go it's cyclical right like there's times in life where you can you have absolute clarity with where you're at where you're going where you want to be and there's times in life where you you have that tunnel vision you're you're in the zone uh and there's times in life where you're you're not in the zone you're just totally floundering about but you don't really have perspective then either so whenever you're in a zone that involves a high level of perspective you just gotta you know milk that for all that you can and take advantage of it because it's so incredibly empowering and i feel like i feel like this pandemic has kind of forced that perspective onto people and, and it's done so in a way that just brings to the forefront of everybody's mind that you know maybe your shit does stink you know like maybe maybe the world's just not all revolving around you there's people that yeah. have done nothing wrong and they're just freaking they, they've been they've lost their businesses they've lost family members they've lost so many things a lot of people look at people that lose things they look at loss as this something that has inherently been you know deserved and there's there's so much that's happened this year that's like you know sometimes bad things happen just because and when you recognize it as it is and you in, not necessarily you know enjoy it obviously but accept it as just reality it makes you have this underlying appreciation for the good in your life and you don't take it for granted near as easily because you recognize that hey this 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 isn't owed to me necessarily and it may easily be taken from me but when you have that appreciation for the good in your life i mean it just it just it again it kind of has that yin and yang like when you see the hardship that life is you appreciate the the joy and the good things that life can also offer totally man i agree with you 100 percent. it's like you have to 
you have to evolve with it, you know. And I was I was watching that show alone. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've seen that TV show where they just those guys are out there like living in like some remote area for as long as you can last, right? Have mm -hmm. you seen the show? I haven't seen it, but I listened to the winner, I forget his name, on Joe Rogan's podcast. So I yeah. got a lot of the back behind the scenes. It's, it's pretty interesting, but one of those guys kind of said like, and this is a perfect way to survive, basically. It's like when you're in an environment or it doesn't matter what it is, like you, you, you can't fight it. Like mm -hmm. if you fight it, if you're focusing on fighting it. And just constantly going against nature to the point where you can't really change what nature is going to do in, you know, in many ways, right? You have to figure a way out how to live with it, right? Um, coexist with it. Find your way through it. Whatever that path is, you have to learn to evolve with it. And it's kind of like that applies to what's going on it's like you can let this consume you and destroy you you know um or you can just be like you know what this is happening this, this is supposed to happen you know like I, I i'm starting to realize like this had to happen you know like it's it's not just happening out of the blue these things are you know the it's been coming for a long time you know um, so it's like now you just have to realize that, accept it, you know, and just do your thing, whatever that, whatever that is and try to like stay in the moment a lot more. Yeah. And, and I totally agree, fun. man. I feel, I feel like a lot of people, especially in this day and age, and I think we're all probably guilty of it to some extent, but we have this, this weird sense of entitlement towards things in life, towards, uh, you know, items, possessions, money, career paths, like this, relationships, like this, this sense of entitlement has bled into everything. And the thing about this, this virus as a pandemic, I mean, sure, there's things that you can do to kind of hedge your bets, you know, obviously eating, eating healthy, having a good functioning immune system, that's going to help, you know, tremendously with regard to fighting off any, you know, virus infection. But at the end of the day, like the virus itself doesn't care about who you are, what you've done, where you've come from. Like it doesn't care uh, and it doesn't discriminate. And that said, it's like you can't argue this fairness game. You can't argue this entitlement game. Like it just takes all those notions and, and does away with them. And you have to just recognize that this is your reality and how are you you know, as an individual going to make the most of it. You can't point the finger, and you can, but it's not going to do you any good. So you just got to double down on what you can control and, and and make the most of it. That's it, man. I think you got it right there. Like, you have to, what you can control, that's a huge thing. Um, it's easy to get sucked into all the things that we cannot control right now, right? And it's just that, once you go down that road, um, eh, like, we can't control a lot of things that are happening right now and it's but it's okay because that's what's it's just it is what it is like once you accept that that is where we've evolved to then you realize that yes that's supposed to be happening now because that's where we were headed and then you're just like oh okay now i can do my thing you know i'm gonna go hunt for three hours and sit in this tree and maybe i'll see something maybe i won't you know 
um, and just try to, you know, focus on your business. Like keep doing things, chip away at things, stay focused on the things you can control. Right. I think that's that's a huge thing, and and I feel bad for those people that are just losing that 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 focus point, and it's not easy to do, you know, because it took mm-hmm. me a little while to, you know, to get. Th- through that that first three months was rough when the music disappeared but um i was it was a turning point but i had to go through it anyway and then it kind of aligned with the way i was trying to live anyway so it's almost like it just kind of pointed me in the direction i was kind of going you know um so it's i'm really curious to see what the next six months looks like you know like with with just everything on the horizon like how are people going to take what's happened this year and because i mean so many people just it, it's weird man like when a new year happens they make a resolution and mm-hmm. they just turn the page and what happened in the past is dead and what happened what can happen in the future is brand new but that's just not the way the world works it's not reality like like december end of december is going to happen and the beginning of january is going to happen and it's not really going to change anything drastically. So I'm gonna, I'm very curious to see how people, you know, adopt their tomorrow and adopt their today. Like, what are they going to do today? Um, you know, I think it all stems back to mindset, perspective, self awareness, and just, uh, you know, knowing who you are, what you're standing for, and having some values and integrity to stand upon and build yourself up from, regardless of your current situation. Totally, man. Oh, can you hear me there? Yeah. Did I lose you? Oh, I think I lost you. Bum, bum, bum. And that is the part where we just totally lose audio. And I so very much apologize uh, to both Colin and to all y'all listeners. I hate that that happened. Um, I guess this kind of just sheds light as to what the reality of the situation is, bringing it back full circle there. Um, yeah, podcast recording remotely. Sometimes you got technical difficulties. That's what happened here. I'm not sure what happened to the internet, but I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I truly, uh, you know, Hope nothing but the best for Colin. I hope he figures out what he wants to do with regard to the musical industry um, in light of the pandemic and just what his future will bring. And I feel like everybody would benefit from asking themselves those very same questions, gaining that perspective and figuring out where to take things next in life. So by all means, follow Colin. Check out his Keto Buttercups on Instagram. Uh, That platform is Coco's Buttercups. And that's at Coco's Buttercups, C-O-C-O-S-B-U-T-T-E-R-S, no, B-U-T-T-E-R-C-U-P-S on Instagram. I'll link out that in the description. Follow him there, see if he can can get some some Coco Buttercups that are keto-friendly. And again, thank you all for tuning in, and I will talk to you next time. 